0: Well, we are in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and as uh, we go through the Word, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, why idols. As we think about idol worship, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, We know one thing is that the only one that is to receive all worship and praise is the Lord. As we were just singing these songs, you know, they were words and songs of adoration they were praise of adoration you know there is no one else to receive any glory honor and praise except him and so as we worship God is looking for us to worship him in spirit and in truth Uh, he is looking for us to worship him with all of our hearts all of our mind all of our soul and all of our, our strength everything that encompasses us is what he desires from us to give fully to him and to worship Him, not only with song, but with our lives. And so with that, uh, we're going to talk about idol worship. And, and with that, let's begin to read in verse 15 and, and hear what the Lord has to share with us about this very subject. It says in verse 15, it says, Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly, make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed to yourselves lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which is which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. You know, as we read these words, as we just go through the scriptures and we look to our we see here that that he reminds us of our proneness or our or our longing to worship, to worship something. As he talks about there, you know, first of all, he says, you know what? When I appeared to you, when I spoke to you out of, out of the midst, you know what? I didn't allow you to see my image. I didn't allow you to see my form. I didn't allow you to see who I was. You know, as we think to ourselves, why is it that God would not allow this? You know, as people, I think many times what we do is we like to make carved images of the things that we worship Many times what we do is we try to imagine what they're going to look like, and so what we do is we begin to carve these idols made out of wood and stone or whatever the case may be, and then we begin to worship them. You know, one of the things that the Lord said, and as we go, as we read the Ten Commandments, we know that He told us in His Word that, that we are not to make for ourselves any carved images in the likeness of anything that is in heaven, on earth, or in the sea beneath. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. These are the first two commandments that the Lord has given us. And the reason is, is see, you and I, we've been given a heart of worship. You and I have been given a heart to worship God. But if we're not worshiping God, what are we going to worship? We're going to worship something else, right? And see, this is something that that God has, has placed upon us, a heart of worship. And so as we go through these scriptures, we see for ourselves that we are prone to worship things if we're not worshiping God. And it's very important for us to realize that. Because, see, we can easily fall prey into worshiping the creation versus the Creator Himself. See, anything that takes away our worship of God becomes an idol. And you may be thinking to yourselves, but you know what? I don't have these little statues or, or I don't have these little carved images. While well, there are things that do want to take our worship away from God. And you can easily determine what is your God or what has become your idol. To determine what is your idol, I want you to think about this very thing. What consumes your mind the most? What is it that you're thinking about the most? What is it that you're thinking about day and night or day after day? Those things can easily become your idols. See, these are the things that we need to be careful of. I want us to turn to the book of Romans in Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read, as Paul wrote this letter, he talked about this very thing. In verse 21 of Romans 1, he says there, because although, well, let's, read, let's start from verse 20. In verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their th- thoughts, And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Images like birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, as we read here, we see how we can easily begin to worship what? The creature. We can easily begin to worship the things that God has created. And we know that as we begin to worship anything else but God, as we're going to read through the scriptures, It leads us into destruction. And that's what we read here in Romans, right? He says that who exchanged, I mean, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And we know that they began to exchange truth for the lie, as he says, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. See, one thing that we may not be aware of is that when you begin to have idol worship, Idol worship will bring you into a place of destruction. It will lead you astray. And one thing we will learn about our Lord is that, you know what, God is a perfect gentleman. Because if this is what you want, He's going to allow you to do and to go. But we know one thing is that He does come after us, but He never forces us to serve Him and to worship Him. We know that As we read here in Deuteronomy, that he gave them no form of himself. And we know that if he would have given them a form, they would have easily built an image of this form. And what thing about God is he doesn't want us to have a relationship with an image. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with a carved image or, or an idol. He wants us to have a relationship with him. See, this is what it's all about. You know, it's so futile and so vain and so wasteful when you see people that are worshiping these idols, these things that are created by hands, made out of wood, made out of stone. See, God doesn't want us having a relationship with any of these things. He wants us to have a relationship with Him who is a true and the living God. You know, one thing we know about the Lord is He's living He's not an image, and He wants us to make sure that, that we are seeking to worship Him, seeking to draw near to Him. You know, I can easily give you an example, right, of, of what we can do here. You know, when it comes to relationships with people, how we can easily turn them into a relationship with a carved image. You know, for myself, you know, would, would Nancy, my wife, want me to have a relationship with an image of her, or would she rather have me have a relationship with her that is alive? And I think we all know the answer to that, right? Nancy wouldn't want me to buy jewelry and flowers to a carved image of her, but she would rather receive what? Them, themselves. And that's what we have here. I mean, why would God want us to serve an image? Why would God want us to worship an image, a carved image, versus worshiping Him? But we know that this all may sound silly, but it's the truth. How many of you have seen, you know, when you see these little Buddhas, right? And you see this, the the fruit that's there, the apples and the oranges. And you see money, and you see things that they give to them. And it's all done in vain. These things can't do anything. They're not even listening. They can't even hear. They can't even see, as God is going to reveal that to us today. But one thing about idols is that they have always existed from the beginning, right? And we know that the only one that wants to receive full worship and praise is the Lord. But to replace the worship of God, we know that Satan has brought idols to worship. You know, as Christians, it's important for us to understand that we have a relationship with God. You and I are not involved in religion. You and I don't have legalistic ways of reaching the Lord. You know, that wall, uh, those curtains were torn down. And we know that we have access to God and we know we have access to Him only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You know what? He broke all walls of separation. We can come into the presence of God. We don't just come into His presence once a year or send priests to come into His presence for us to mediate, to be a mediator between us and Him. There is nothing that separates us from God. And God desires that we would come to Him and to worship Him. You know, we know that, as the Lord talked about there, the moon and and the sun, and we are not to worship these things. You know, it's amazing how many people worship the moon God and the sun God. And we know as they see these things, they think that, you know what, that there's a God that, 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 has, that, that has the power of the sun or the power of the moon and, and that they can do these certain things. These are all lies. Lies that Satan has put in our, in our thoughts, in our minds. And people fall prey to these lies and they begin to worship the sun and the moon. I had previously shared with you when I went to Iwasu Falls and I met the leader of the tribe there, of a, some indigenous people that were there in Iwasu Falls. You know, that's one of the uh, seven natural wonders of the world. And there's a tribe that lives in that rainforest, right in that, that, that location. And when I asked him, I asked him, I said, you know what? As the Lord led me to the uh, leader of the tribe, I asked him, do you know God? And he says, he looked at me and I said, well, do you worship gods? And he said, yeah, we worship the moon god, we worship the sun god. And so as I began to share the gospel with him, I asked him, why would you want to Worship those things that are created instead of worshiping and serving the one that created the moon and the sun. And you know what, as the Spirit of God was just moving, you know what, he surrendered to the truth of God and, and he said, yes, why would I want to do that? And we know that he surrendered himself to the Lord. You know, one thing about the Jews as, as uh, we were reading here, you know, we know that that God told them to take heed to yourselves lest you forget the covenant of the Lord which He made for you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has, forgive, uh, has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God. You know, he also says, and, and I want us to go up there because I want to talk about something here. In verse 21, he also mentions that the Lord your God will be angry As you worship these gods, you know what? It's important for us to know that that as the Jews saw and met and heard the true and the living God, they went back later to worship idols. See, one thing we know about the Lord, I mean, one thing we know about ourselves is that we will worship something. And as I've been talking about, either we're going to worship the, uh, the Lord Himself or we're, worship, we're going to worship created things. But He reminds them, you know what, I was the one that freed you. I was the one that brought you out of the furnace. And as we think about this, right, we think to ourselves, you know what, if we know that God has delivered us, for the Jews, they knew that God delivered them. And if, he, if they knew that God delivered them, then why would they go back to this idol worship? Why would they leave the Lord and worship these idols and these carved images? You know, why is it that they leave their first love? You know, when we think about this, right? We know that God has delivered them. We know for us, God has delivered us and God has healed us. And as the Lord says, you know what? I took you out of the fire. You know, when they were there, when the Jews were there, one thing we know about the Jews is that they were slaves, right, in in Egypt. And we know that many of them were in bondage. And we know that, you know what, that they were mistreated and they were abused. And we know that they were beaten up and, and they were broken. And we know that the only one could have de- uh, that could have delivered the people of God would have been the Lord. There's nobody else that could have done this. And so the Lord is saying, as I did this, you know what, make sure that you don't go back into Idol worship. You know, as I think about this, right, for our lives, you know, as we look at what life has given us, you and I, before we came to know the Lord, I think we would all agree that life wasn't all that we thought it would be. You know, I think as we went through life, we experienced hardship. We've also experienced what? you know, just a brokenness. We've also had our hopes and our dreams that may have been crushed. You know, one thing we know is that life has a way of beating us up. Life has a way of, of, of just, you know what, bringing us into a place of, of, of bondage, maybe to drugs, to sex, to alcohol, or to money or to self, whatever it may be. And we know that the only one that delivered us from this oppression, from this bondage, was the Lord. And so as we think about this, we know that many that come to the Lord or that hear of the Lord, that they end up going back to their lifestyle, that they end up going back and leaving the Lord. And and, and so we think about this, right? And we think to ourselves, why would they do that if, if God delivered them and God showed himself to be strong? You know, this does happen. And And this is what the Lord was warning them from doing. You know, don't go back into this idol worship. Don't go back into serving these false gods. You know, when we came from Mexico, you know, one thing about the Mexican people is that we can see there that, you know what, the people are just without hope. Because one of the things that they don't have is they don't have the religion that they were in helping them, delivering them, and, and giving them the truth. We know that the government isn't there to support them and to help them out. And we know that many of their families, you know what, leave them and don't help them because they gotta make a living on their own. And so as we think about this, we, we see that as we take the gospel to them, that they're open to it and they're ready to receive it because, see, in Christ is is the only hope that we have. He is a hope of glory. He is a hope that can deliver us as He delivered the Jews from Egypt and the bondage that they were in. You know, I remember when I came to the Lord, you know what, I had no hope, right? I, I saw that life wasn't everything that I was expecting it to be. I saw that I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, a, a joy and, and, and the, the things that I thought I would receive from life and So I was broken, messed up, and I was empty. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord came and He delivered me from the things that I was in. And so as we think about this, right, God wants to remind us as He was reminding the Jews, don't go back to this idol worship. I'm your king. I'm your Lord. Worship me. Why do you want to worship these other things that can do nothing for you? You know, when we think about what Moses was telling them too, Moses was telling them, you know what? In verse 22, in verse 21, he was saying that the Lord was angry with him and swore that he would not go into the promised land. See, one thing that Moses was telling the people here is that, you know what? He wasn't going to be around for them, to help them, to keep them from falling prey to the idols. And he was telling them, please don't leave your Redeemer, don't leave your Deliverer. You know, don't leave your first love. And one thing we know about this is that the only way to continue to remain faithful to, to the Lord and, and not to forget who He is is to continue to draw closer to Him. You know what? But we know one thing, that this choice is yours. This choice is not, I mean, it, we're not forced into doing any of these things. You and I will never be forced into a relationship with God. How many of you feel or believe that you're forced into having a relationship with God? Does He force us to worship Him or to come to Him? No, I think we all do it, what? Willingly, light, and of and free, free will. And so this is what's important. Because one thing we know is that our God is a jealous God. And as we read this there in verse 24, we thought to our, you know, as we look at this, we can think to ourselves, what does it mean that, That He is a jealous God. You know, God does not want us worshiping anything or any person that is going to hurt us. And this is what happens when we begin to worship idols. These are the things that will hurt us, that will lead us astray. And one thing we know uh, when it comes to our God, He loves us so much that He doesn't want us falling into this deception that will destroy our lives. And so what are the consequences of idol worship? That's what we're going to look at next. If we, once we go, as we go to verse 25, let's look at the consequences that happen with idol worship. Verse 25 says, When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke Him to anger I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve God the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you seek Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, He will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which He swore to them. You know, as we look at this, we see the consequences of idol worship. One of the things that can happen to us is that we can lose our passion for God. What can happen to us is that we can lose that fire that once burned for God. And this can easily happen to any Christian, and we see this happening many times. See, every relationship, it must be kindled. And what do I mean by kindled? It means it needs to be ignited. And how is it that it is ignited? You know, as we draw closer to the Lord, right? This is how we ignite it. Every relationship must be worked on. And we know one thing about the Lord is He's always there and He's giving us everything that we need. It is us that must work on our relationship with Him. He doesn't have to do anything else to draw us to Him because He's there for us. And He's shown Himself to be strong as He's delivered us, as He's freed us, as He's redeemed us. But one thing we know about ourselves is that we can stop our effort. We can stop our passion for Him. You know what, it can die out so easily. You know what, us as Christians, we can just be in a routine of just coming to church and and just praying and and doing the things that, that we should, you know, that we're expected to do. But one thing that God wants from us is He wants us to do it with a heart of passion. Not because we have to, but because we want to. See, one thing that happens to us is that We can just become these Christian people that just are ordinary Christians without a fire and a zeal and a passion for Him. And God doesn't want that from us. You know, He knows how fickle we can be. He knows how easily we can allow our loyalty to move from Him and to other things. See, one of the things that God wants us to always remember is is to remember the things that He has done in our lives. How many of you can remember the things that he did this past year? Do you ever think about them? All the great things that he's done. What about the year before? Or the previous year to that? Or maybe four years ago or five years ago? For those that are in the Lord longer than that, what about ten years ago? Do you remember these things? You know, do we think about these things? You know, one thing that the Lord never wants us to forget is, is who he is. And what He's done for us. You know, we do this in the celebration, right, of, of communion. We remember this every month. As we remember what God did on the cross for us as He's delivered us. But you and I are our miracles of God. And what's awesome about this is that our salvation was a miracle because none of us could save, that, could save ourselves. You and I could never save ourselves. Something supernatural was done here. Something that was outside of the laws of nature. And we know that that was God's salvation. And we know that God has done miracles in our lives. And as we read His Word, it stirs us up to remember these things. You know, God never wants us to forget who He is or forget His Word. And one thing that we also, I want to make sure that we don't fall into is is experiences with God. Because that's not what it's all about. It's important that not only do we remember what He's done, but we are remembering what His Word says. Okay, this is key. And also, to ignite our relationship with the Lord, we need to be praying too, right? We need to be talking and just not making it a routine. How many of you have fallen into the routine of just having a regular routine prayer life when there's no passion, there's, no, there's nothing igniting there's no fire there's just a routine prayer life I know I've fallen into that you get into that rut and it happens for week after week and you finally say stop it I don't want to be like this I don't want to have just a routine relationship with the Lord I want it to be filled with excitement and with passion and with hunger and with love for him and this happens as we draw close to him None of us should ever be complacent in our walk with God. Understand that. You and I should never be complacent. You should never think that, you know what? I've arrived, I've attained. You know, when we think about the Apostle Paul, I'm going to read these words to you. He says in Philippians chapter three, verse 12, and if you want to turn your Bibles there, you can. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, this is Paul himself writing, he says, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, in other words, I don't know everything, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, what's so awesome about this is that Paul was not happy with the things that he, just, that he did in his past. He knew what God did, but he wanted more. God, uh, Paul knew that there was much more in his walk with God. How many of us are satisfied with what God has done through you? I'm not satisfied with what God is doing in and through me. I want more. I want Him to work even greater and mighty works in and through my life. I'm not satisfied. And one of the things I was teaching at a church yesterday, and I I talked about not allowing the things of the past to continue into this new year. And what I mean by that is, see, in our lives, we can hinder God from working in and through us. Are you aware of that? You know what? If we're walking in sin, if, if we're doubting, if we have fears, if, if we, whatever it may be, whatever is going on in your life, if God isn't your priority, you know what? You're hindering God from working through you. You're hindering the blessings of God that God wants to do in and through you. I pray that nobody here is satisfied with what God has done through you so far. There are so many more things that God wants to do through you, especially in 2013. May this be a year where we're completely surrendered to the Lord, where we're completely now not allowing ourselves to hinder God from moving in and through us. See, God has, can do so many great things. Understand this. And we're the ones that get in His way. You and I are the ones that don't allow God to move in and through us. There's no one that can there's no one else that does that but you. And I don't know if you realize that. See, for us as a people of God, God wants to move powerfully, right? If we get out of his way. But we tend to stay in his way and we tend to hinder the work of God. See, if we worship God, then we're going to allow Him to move in and through us. It's not our works. Never think that it is you that does these things. As Paul said, it's not me. You know what? It's God that moves in and through me. As we read from Peter, right? In 1 Peter 4.11, he says, I'm the one that supplies you with all you need to serve me, to work for me, to do what I have called you to do. If you move out of my way, my spirit will move powerfully in and through you. God wants to move through our lives. You know what? But He must be what? That priority. He must be the only God that we have in our lives. We know that the world can easily come and take our attention away from Him. How many of you begin to see yourselves falling prey to the ideas or to the ways of the world? I'll be honest with you. I find myself sometimes drawn to it, but I got to move myself back. Why is that? Because the world is so inviting, right? It's so tempting. We got to be true to ourselves, right? If, if we realize these things, then we're not going to fall prey to them, right? If we realize that, you know what? I do fall short. I can fall back into the world. This is why the Word of God tells us to take heed lest you what? Lest you fall. See, this can happen to us. And God doesn't want this with us, right? God wants us to be worshiping Him, loving Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything that encompasses you, this is what He wants from you. We are not to have idols. The world loves idols, right? The world promotes idols, don't they? Why do you think there's so many TV shows about what? Singers and actors and... You know, all these reality shows and celebrities and singers and athletes and you know what? They paste them all over newspapers, news magazines, the internet, the TV because they want you to worship these things. This is driven and led by who? Satan himself, right? To consume our minds with with these things. You know, the Lord said in his word and as we read, if you turn yourselves over to idols... Moses told them, Heaven and earth will be my witnesses of your future judgment. This is what Moses said. He says that if you do these things, then know one thing, that you're going to lose your life. And God is going to hand you over to the idols. He says this in verse 26. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. If you want to have idols in your life, the Lord is saying, that's fine. You know me already. But if you choose to have idols and you don't choose me, then guess what? I'm going to let you go. You're making the choice. It's not me that's telling you to go. You've made the choice of you as you have given yourself to these idols. And know one thing, you're going to be utterly destroyed by them. They're going to eat you alive. And we know that, as I mentioned earlier, that God is a perfect gentleman. You know, as we look at idols, the idols have been created by Satan. Every carved image that you see every and i'm not talking about you know i'm not talking about a cross i mean we don't worship these crosses or you know i'm not talking about jesus no us i think we know better that we're not going to worship these things but i'm talking about these other carved images these other things that are out there you know what they've been created by satan to worship them because see we know that satan was kicked out of heaven for what reason because he wanted to be worshipped right he says you know what worship me I want you guys to worship. I mean, I want to be worshiped just like God. I want to be like Him. I want to be like the Most High. I, I, I. And because of this desire and this sin that he had in his heart, God said, you know what? I'm casting you out of heaven. I'm kicking you out. And so we know that Satan wants to take away all worship that belongs to God. And so he creates all of these things. And what I love is that the Lord says, all of these idols, what did he say in verse 28? He says, they're made of hand and stone, but they don't see, they don't hear, they don't eat, and they don't smell. In other words, they're nothing. And all of these apples and oranges and these monies that are given to these idols, it's all for nothing. And the Lord is saying, why do people do that? You know, I, and Isaiah, Isaiah talks about this, that he is the true and the living God, and he talks about how idols, you know what, they're made with the wood, they're made, and people worship that, those idols, and the rest of the wood is used to heat up and to cook food. You know, I mean, how silly is that? I mean, how many of you know and understand that, you know, when stones and idols are made, that, All of those aren't made with all of the wood. The rest is used for other things. I mean, this is how we've been deceived and lied to and believing that these idols have power and yet they're nothing. You know, they all want to steal your heart to destroy you. One thing that happened to Israel is this very thing. You know what? Because of their idol worship, did you know that Ten of the twelve tribes were led into captivity by the Assyrian nation. God allowed this to happen because of their hearts that grew cold towards the Lord. Their hearts that were no longer on fire, didn't have that zeal, that passion for God. And they went after these these things that that were carved and these idols that, that they created. These idols of these pagan nations, they began to worship and to surrender and to bow down and to pray to them. And so God says, okay, you know what? The ten tribes, I'm going to allow you guys to be captured by Assyria. And then Judah was doing the same thing, the remaining two tribes. And you know what God said to them? All right, you guys are doing it too, so we're going to let the Babylonian Empire now come and capture you guys. And we know that they've continued this. Even while... they came back to the Lord, but then they fell back into it. And we know that at the rejection of Jesus Christ, that you know, because of the rejection of Jesus Christ, that the Jews were dispersed from 70 A.D. up until May 14, 1948. This is why, because they rejected the Lord. See, When we see lives that are surrendered to other things, don't you usually see something that is going on in their lives? Their lives are messed up. They're messed up people. Some of them have a good way of hiding it, right? But you know what? When you see that crack or you you see behind those doors or you see through that window or you see through that mask that's in front of them, that's covering them, you see their lives that they are messed up. You know, they have a nice way of, of, of hiding it, but it comes out and we know that. But one thing about the Lord, He says, even though you choose to worship other idols, if you come back to me, I will love you and I will take you back. This is the mercy of God. You know what, to think that we don't get what we deserve, right? To think that and you know what, we committed adultery against the Lord. Have you ever looked at yourself or looked at people that love the Lord and then they fall back into the world and do other things and, and you think to yourselves, you know what, they're committing adultery. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that people are committing spiritual adultery, the betrayal that they, give to, that, that, that they do against the Lord? You know what, it's shameful, right? And most people in adultery, what do they do? They say, you know what? I ain't taking you back, right? You know what? You wanted to do that. And so, you know what? That's it for you. I, no more. But one thing about the Lord is that His mercy is amazing. It's awesome. And we know that He's willing to take us back, even though what? We've committed adultery against Him. He forgives us. He's willing to take you back as children, like a mother would, would forgive the sins of her son and her daughters. You know how open mothers are and they're just so forgiving and so compassionate and so merciful. This is the way the Lord is, that He's willing to do this with us when we want nothing to do with them, when we leave them and reject them and we go after these false gods. As we keep reading, as we're running out of time, let's read in verse 32, it says, For ask now concerning the days that are past." which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and asked from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear of the, hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you on earth. He showed you his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because He loved your fathers, therefore He chose their descendants after them. And He brought you out of Egypt with His presence, with His mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance as it is to this day. You know, as we stop here, as we look at, you know, what God has done, You know, when it came to the Jews, God did something that no other nation, that no other peoples had experienced with God. One thing that we know is that they heard the voice of God and God personally delivered them from bondage. And he did awesome signs and wonders and miracles and incredible and powerful things that we know that only God could do this. And why was this done? You know, we think to ourselves, why would God do all of this? He says there, so that you can know that He is God. To know that only He is God. The other idols, they couldn't do anything for you. And one thing we know is that, remember, Egypt had, they were a nation that had many gods. Egypt worshipped all kinds of gods, animal gods, you know, Gods of the heavens and all kinds of stuff like that. And not one of those gods could ever combat or hinder God from delivering his people. Wouldn't that show us about our God that we serve that he's real? And the other ones, what? Our faith, they're not real. They couldn't fight back, they couldn't hinder the, the power of God. And we know as he says these things that, that God is real. And he says, I wanted to show myself, and you heard me, and you know me, and I was the one that did this for you. In verse 39, he says, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart, that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. You know, as we look at this, right, as we think to ourselves, again, you know what, don't worship anything that is in heaven, anything that is, I mean, don't worship any, don't make for yourselves any carved images of anything that is in heaven, on earth, or in the sea beneath. You know, as we think about this, right, he's saying, you know what, the only God that there is, is me. God is the only God, the Lord Himself. There is no other but Him. And He did all these things because He wanted to show Himself to be God. But there was also another reason. And He he discloses that reason here. You know what He was looking for when He reveals Himself to be God? And the same is for us. I want you to understand that. In verse 40 it says, So, You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. God, when he reveals himself to be God, he is looking for submission from you. Why would we want to submit ourselves to anyone else? There is no other God. And so, why would we want to submit ourselves and, and do what others tell us to do instead of what God has called us to do? God is looking for a spirit of submission. And we know that as we submit to him, he tells us there that it may go well with you and your children and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. See, one thing we know about obedience, about submission to the Lord, is that you are going to be blessed. This is what he's saying here. You and I will be blessed no matter what. understand one thing, with obedience comes what? It comes Blessings. Understand that. It's so simple, right? And I always tell the kids this. You know what? My kids, I'm saying. I was telling this. You know what? Just obey. Just do as you're supposed to do, right? And this is in all things, right? It's when it comes to God, you do as God says. When it comes to your teachers, you do as your teacher says. When it comes to your jobs, you do as your managers say, except if they ask you to sin. But apart from that, you submit. It is so easy, but it is so hard to do. It's so easy to understand these. It's so easy to understand this, but for us to do it, it's so hard. Why? Because we have prideful natures, right? We have selfish natures. We have selfish ambitions. We get in the way. You know, one of the things that we know here is that God is saying, you know what, if you do as I do, then it's going to go well with you. You're going to receive blessings. You know, one of the things that we know that is happening in our world today and in the church today is that people have lost the fear of God. There is no fear of God anymore. How many of you fear God in this place? I think all of our hands should go up. We have to come to a place of fearing God. If we don't fear God, then guess what we're going to do? We're going to sin against God, right? We're not going to do as He says. Why? Because, you know what, we have no fear. You know what, we are to have a fear of, of knowing what, you know what, that He can send our soul to hell. We are to fear Him because we know that He is God Himself and we are to reverence Him. We are to obey Him. See, one thing that we know is that God spoke through a bush, right? And when I was thinking about this, I was reminded, you remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz? Anybody? I think we all seen the wizard. That's a classic. I know there's some of you that are younger, but uh, but the Wizard of Oz was a, it's an It's you know, it's an awesome movie. But we know one thing about it is that I mean, it's not the truth. It's just the way it was made and the things that it did. I mean, the color of it was just incredible. Like, I mean, I'm backtracking on what I said. But one thing about the Wizard of Oz is I don't know if you remember this when it came to the wizard. Remember, when he didn't show himself, and he showed the fire and all of that stuff, what did they do? They were afraid of him, right? They didn't want, they were, oh, the wizard, you know what? He's so powerful and mighty. We don't want to see the wizard, right? And then when the curtain opened, when the little dog, Toto, opened, right, Toto, he opened the, the, he moved the curtain open, what happens? Oh, look who it is. Well, that doesn't happen with God, though, but what I wanted to show you was the fact that, you know what, the, the voice behind that fire, it brought fear to them, right? And see, and that's what the Lord was saying here. You know what, there was, you know what, fear me. I didn't show you my image, but when it comes to church people, I mean, you know what, we've lost the fear of God, and this is why people in the church are sinning this is why people in the church are living together this is why people in the church are fornicating this is why people in the church are doing the things that they do they have no fear they forget you know what that God you know what that God is he's gonna do what he has to do and what he said here is that if you decide to have other idols which may be yourself it's going to destroy you and I'm going to let you give yourself up to these things as as, he, as we read in Romans, what did he say? I, gave, I let you guys give yourselves up to a debased mind and to fulfilling these lusts of, of, uh, uh, of, your, of, your, of your flesh and, and to do these things that were just so horrendous and horrible. You know, obedience brought blessings. It brought prosperity. It brought long life as we read. But we also know that with disobedience, You know what, in disobedience, there comes chastening. You know, the Lord chastens those that He loves. You know, one thing about, when it comes to obedience and disobedience, or I should say, when it comes to obedience and and chastening, I mean, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. When it comes to blessings that come from obedience, and when it comes to chastening that comes from disobedience, both the blessings and the chastenings are both acts of love. Understand this. See, because some people don't, don't get that point. They, they don't realize that, you know what, they're being chastened because of their disobedience and they think that God doesn't love them. In reality, God loves them and that's why He's chastening you. He doesn't want you to continue to walk in your sin and, and, to, think and, and, to, get, and to think that, you know what, that I can continue sinning. And that I'm not going to have any consequences or chastening for it. I want to prove this to you through God's word that in Hebrews 12, 26, it says, Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Understand this when it comes to our kids. You know what? It's so easy to show our love to our kids and for them to understand through blessings. But see, our kids also need to understand love through punishment and through chastening. Don't think that, you know what, that just because you punish them, that, you know what, the kids aren't going to think that you love them. Or if you don't, if you chasten them, that, that they don't, that, that they're going to think that you don't love them. You know what? It proves that they're illegitimate, is what God says. If I don't chasten you, then you don't really belong to me. For us as parents, we are to chasten our kids, to show our love for them, to show them that we truly love them. You know, I, I got to finish. I'm going to finish with one final illustration. There was one of my boys, and I know somebody here that knows it very well. One of my boys, when he was younger, I think he was about 10 years old or nine years, nine years old. I gave it away. I didn't want to say boys, but one of my boys, you guys know, one of my boys had a problem in saying things that he shouldn't say. He had a problem with his, with his mouth. And so... We kept on him and on him and on him, and he just wouldn't change it. And the reason I bring this up is because we're in Christmas. And one of the things, he did something that was, he said something that was just uncalled for. And it was just, you know, after giving him mercy and grace and, you know, all of that, and he still continued to do what he shouldn't do. And so the only way to really show him to change this behavior is that we told him, he's not getting a Christmas gift. And you know what? It was the saddest and hardest thing that we ever did. Because you saw my other boy and my other daughter, they opened up gifts. And one of my boys did not have a Christmas gift. And we thought to ourselves, man, you know what? I was hurting more than he was hurting. But see, it showed him right that he shouldn't be doing these things that are wrong. And you know what? It really strained him out. It helped them to realize, you know what? I can't be misbehaving. I can't be disobeying. See, one of the things that we know is that punishment will teach them that walking on the wrong path will destroy them. And if we chase them and if we punish them, we know that they will not walk in these ways. And we're going to finish with this final verse here, these three verses. It says, Then Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan towards the rising of the sun, that the manslayer might flee there who kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in time past and that by fleeing to one of these cities he might live. Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau of the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Remember where Moses was, remember Moses, they were on the east side of the Jordan. On the west side of the Jordan was a promised land. And on the east side, they had to do three cities of refuge. And these cities were there because, you know what? What if someone happens to kill somebody accidentally? What if someone happens to, you know what, to make a mistake and he kills somebody and he never planned to do it? You know what? How are they going to protect him, right? Because the families, if they're all living together, guess what? The family is going to come together seeking that man that killed their family member. And so they had to establish these cities of refuge to protect the innocent. And this is all an evidence of God's mercy and God's love. See, one of the things that we are reminded of with these cities of refuge is that the Lord is our refuge. Understand that. See, He protects us from the wages of sin. You and I deserve death, right? Because we sin. That is a wage of sin. And one thing we know is that God offers us protection. He offers us forgiveness. He protects us from this wage. And the cities of refuge, they all pointed to the Lord. And one thing that we know is that He is our refuge. And with that, we're going to close. And we're just going to thank the Lord for the things that He shared with us today. Lord Jesus, we we just thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for for just reminding us today, Lord, of, of idols and and how you are the only one to deserve all praise, glory, and honor. The worship of our lives, the worship in our lips, in our thoughts, in our actions, Lord. May we be a people that are completely surrendered to you. Lord, you don't want us growing cold. You don't want that passion or that fire to, to burn out. You want us to be in a place that is just So excited And so drawn to you Lord And To build our relationship with you Lord Lord I know that The cares of this world And the things that this world does And our relationship with you May sometimes become routine And that's not what you desire from us Lord You desire that it would be Just kindled and ignited Because of who you are of what you've done, of your love for us, Lord. May we be a people that are so passionate about you, so set on fire for you, Lord, because we know that this revival, it has to start with us before it can move out to anyone else. If there's anyone here